Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And if you cannot remember all that, I'm sure by now, prayerfully, you know those three core values at FCBC. What are they, family? Live, love, and serve. Amen. Uh, This morning, I want to touch on something. You know, there was a time when you touch on certain subjects, especially when they are political. Uh, There are people who will say, well, that has no place in the church. And I want to go on record to say that for those who think that Being political from the pulpit has no place in church. Clearly, uh, they have not read the teachings and the narrative of Jesus. Because anytime you talk about the oppressed, anytime you talk about seeking to shift the mindset of those who have been living in oppressive regimes, when you talk about feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and visiting those who are in prison and visiting those who are in the hospital, those are political statements because it is an attempt to transform the culture as we know it. It is impossible to me to follow the carpenter and not in some way be engaged in culture and society. Now, we know in these days there are some who use Christianity merely as a tag and a title on their political policies that undermine the very teachings of the carpenter. But for those of us who are vigilant in our commitment, we have no choice. Our very being, our very presence becomes a political statement when we begin to honor the teachings of the carpenter. So this morning, I want to lift up a passage from the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus, the first chapter, verses 8 through 10. And I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. Exodus 1, verses 8 through 10. And hear how it reads. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them or they will increase. And in the event of war, join our enemies to fight against us and escape from the land. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you on today. We thank you, God, for so much that is happening in our world and in our country. The peacefulness of your graciousness continues to be a strong tower in our lives. 
For God, you have been many things. But God, we bless your name right now because you have been gracious towards us. And God, we can't talk about your graciousness if we don't also talk about how merciful you've been. Your grace and your mercy have kept us, seen us through some hard days. Your grace and mercy will continue to see us through the days ahead. Now, God, endow us with your spirit in such a way, O oh God, that it will put at ease those who have been plagued and oppressed and then put in discomfort those who have been doing the oppressing. Move, O oh God, in this way and move in this moment and move in this season in such profound ways that at the end of the day, we have no choice but to give you the glory. We love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, God. No, God, thank you every now and again for the reminder that it is dishonorable hypocrisy to claim to love you and not love our brother or sister. We love you, God. And it's in your name we pray and we say amen. I want to read that scripture again in your hearing, Exodus 1, verses 8 through 10 in the New Revised Standard Version. And here's how it reads. Now a king, a new king, arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. I want this morning, beloved, to speak and preach from the subject, the danger of intentional ignorance. The danger of intentional ignorance. Joseph's story is iconic. Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, who would be known as Israel, Joseph's story is not only iconic, but one of the most powerful stories in Scripture. A young man who not only dared to dream, but took the great risk of sharing the dream, not knowing that oftentimes when you share your dreams, it can give birth to jealousy and envy among other people. When Joseph shared his dream, it 
not only gave birth to jealousy and envy among his brothers, but it also created tension and frustration between Joseph and his parents. I encourage you when you get the opportunity to read Joseph's story. I've preached about it before. I've taught about it, but I don't want to belabor that. But you have to capture Joseph's story. One who was shunned by brothers because of the audacity to dream. One who was sold into slavery by those who were intimidated by his audaciousness. Then from there, sold again into the house of a leader in Egypt. Then lied upon by the wife of Potiphar, that leader. Then placed in prison. And in prison, the captivity could not confine his gifts His gifts make room for him to the point where his gifts become necessary for Pharaoh. When he then uses his gifts in service of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh sees not only his gifts of dreaming but to interpret dreams, Pharaoh makes Joseph second in command in Egypt. And Joseph, in his position and his authority that came by way of his giftedness, was able in a time of famine to make provision for his family in Egypt. It is a beautiful story laced with so many sub-narratives that it becomes profound when you think about it. Think about from the very beginning Not just Joseph, but what Joseph's story represents. It it represents the reality that no matter what people do to hinder and deter you and restrict you and confine you, they cannot shut out or shut down the gift that God has placed in you. That no matter how they may try, no matter what they may say, when God has given you a gift for you, There is no one who can stop the manifestation and the revelation that accompanies your gift. That's something that we all ought to realize, especially those of us who think somehow our positions and our ascension in life is connected to having the right connections and operating in the right networks as opposed to trusting in the gift that God has given you. I know I'm speaking to somebody this morning because in our culture, we're so driven by the connections we make and the relationships we make and those relationships and connections that are connected to networking. We think that somehow our rise and our fall is connected to the people that we're connected to rather than understanding that our rise is shaped by our divine connection to God who has gifted us. I know somebody may need to hear that this morning because you've been walking in your gift, believing in your gift, but you think you have not experienced the full manifestation of your gift, maybe because things in your life may not be moving or working the way you intended. And here's my word to you, don't let go of the dream connected to your gift. Because that dream and that gift will come to fruition in what is written in the fullness of time. 
in the fullness of time, everything that is connected to your gifts and your strength and your power and even your dreaming will come to fruition. So in some ways, Joseph's life represents the reality of patient grace, of still serving and still working even when you have not entered the fullness of your season. Even when you experience confinement and captivity, maybe not physically, but when you experience being held captive by the limited imagination of narrow-minded people, when you find yourself surrounded by persons who would want to restrict you because maybe they see you. Oh, I hope you caught that. They want to restrict you because maybe they see you and your gifts and think that somehow they will have the capacity to hinder, undermine, deter you from reaching the places connected to your giftedness. Joseph represents that, that, that untamed audaciousness, that, that unmitigated courage to pursue and honor what God has placed in you, no matter what the circumstance or the surroundings, that those circumstances and those surroundings don't determine the ultimate destination that's connected to your giftedness. So it does not matter what you are in and how you may be doing right now. You must understand if you believe in what God has placed in you. It does not yet appear what you shall be. And more than that, no one can stand in your way. No matter how much they may slow you down, they can't stop you. No matter how they may speak against you, they can't stop you. So in some ways, Joseph represents that patient graciousness and patient audacity. And then Joseph also represents not only audaciousness, patience, and grace, but then possibility. Here was Joseph, an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, who found himself in foreign territory. Here is Joseph who uses his gift, or rather honors his gift, to arise to a place of honor only second to Pharaoh. Which then speaks to another reality that sometimes we think that we can only rise to certain heights connected to our gifts if we're in the right place that can nurture our gifts. But what Joseph also represents is the possibility of being fruitful in foreign territory. That somehow, even in that space and place that may not be the space and place of your comfort, it does not mean it's not the space and place connected to your calling. And you can't forget that. So he represents that audaciousness, that grace, that patience, that possibility and potential that is still there. Oh, I hope you capture this this morning. He not only represents the possibility and potential, but Joseph also represents a reconciling force, not a divisive individual. That somehow, although he is not an Egyptian, his gifts don't just make room for him, they make room for his family. Some 70 people enter into Egypt connected to Joseph, and somehow these people who should have been viewed as a minority presence have an open door with Pharaoh because of Joseph. In other words, Joseph symbolizes the possibility and potential of reconciliation that is not stagnated by difference. 
oh, I hope you can get this today, that the difference between Joseph and his family and Pharaoh does not stop the divine possibilities that are at work. So Joseph represents, again, graciousness, patience. He represents audaciousness. Joseph represents possibility and potential. Joseph represents reconciliation and also healing because there are those who let our differences become divisive and that divisiveness becomes toxic and that toxicity gives birth to anger and that anger gives birth to bitterness and the bitterness gives birth to betrayal of our humanity because of the difference that exists that ought not be a form of divisiveness but a form of unity but also a sign of the imagination of God who can make so many people so unique at the same time oh my God can you imagine that Joseph embodies that reconciliation and divine imagination That is what Joseph represents, possibility and divine creativity. I am so glad that God has made me, made you so unique, so fashionably unique, so amazingly unique, that God has made us so so satisfyingly unique, that we waste our energy, our resources, our gift trying to replicate uh, models that have already been created. This is why you ought to walk in the fullness of your own uniqueness, connected to the uniqueness of your own gifts, so that you can then walk in the fullness of your uniqueness connected to the divine imagination and creativity of the God who shaped you and fashioned you in the first place. Oh, my God. Do you know what a, a, a true tragic waste it is to want to be somebody else? I mean, the idea that somehow when you desire to be somebody else because you're not satisfied with who you are is almost telling God that God did something wrong when God made you. Joseph represents infinite possibility embodied, gifts embodied and accepted, reconciliation and healing, restoration and acknowledgement of God's creativity. All of that is represented and embodied by Joseph. Oh God, I hope you can understand this moment. Joseph was no longer just an individual. Joseph became representative of God's action and God's movement. That Joseph becomes the embodiment of how God moves in strange ways, how God moves in spite of people's envy and jealousy, how God moves in spite of captivity that has been heaped upon us undeserving. You'll get this in a second. How God moves when people try to lie and scandalize your name and somehow how God moves even when the scandalous liars cause you to be imprisoned falsely by people who don't see the uniqueness of your giftedness, how God moves in prisons with people who are put there for ulterior reasons than yours, but somehow your gifts awaken possibilities for them. How God moves when you're on foreign soil, in foreign territory, out of your comfort zone, and God still gets the glory out of you. How God moves in spaces where your elevation ain't connected to those who can't see you. Your elevation is connected to how your gifts make room for other people. How God moves in places and spaces and in ways that are mind-blowing, that participate in healing, reconciliation, restoration, creativity, imagination. Joseph embodies all of that. All of that is embodied by Joseph. And not only that, but this powerful idea. Joseph also represents what it means to not hold grudges. His brothers thought they were still angry for what they did to him. But as Pastor Lakeisha said last week, this journey is about perception and perspective. You see, there are some people whose perspective is shaped 
by their actions that are negatively impacting other people. And there's some people whose perspective is shaped because they see beyond the ignorance of other people. And they see the divine hand at work. That's why when his brothers were afraid after their father died, they thought, they thought, and this is what often some people think, that your level of integrity matches their level of disingenuousness. Oh, gosh. Let me change that up in case you have missed this. They thought he would treat them like they treated him. I hope you capture that. So what does that mean? Joseph also then represents this notion, this notion that we see recounted with Jesus that he's still, in Jesus quoting the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, Joseph can't rise to the heights in Egypt if he's holding on to bitterness and a grudge. You can't elevate in your anger. Oh God, I hope you get that. You can't rise in your misgivings that somehow you can't allow the actions of others that were designed to negatively affect you determine your disposition or else you become no better than the ones who try to destroy you. Because when you begin to mimic the actions of those who try to destroy you, you no longer need the destroyers anymore because you become self-destructive. Here, here, here. He not only represents not holding a grudge, but he also represents what it means to do one of the most difficult acts I think a human being can do. Forgive. Forgive. Oh, my God. I'm convinced that there is not one person who may be watching today who has not wrestled with forgiveness. The deeper the wound, the more rampant the anxiety connected to forgiving. The more egregious the infraction, the harder it is to forgive. I talked to an FCBC, I don't say member, family member this week, who was having a hard time with forgiveness. And I had to remind her of something that I shared several months ago from this pulpit. It's a quote I, I came across. That you don't forgive because the person deserves it. You forgive because you deserve peace. When Jesus talks about forgiveness... Actually, it's not about the other person or persons. It's about what you will carry for the remainder of your days. The weight of hate is too great a burden to bear. The weight of anger is too great a burden to bear. You see, there's so many things that we ask God for, and very rarely do we ask God for the strength to forgive. The courage to forgive because we want to see people pay for what they've done. Joseph becomes the embodiment and representative of what it is to not lead in mean-spiritedness, but to lead with compassion, forgiveness, 
and love. And all of that, all of those things that Joseph embodied became normalized in foreign territory in Egypt, which you don't capture in this narrative is that by the end of Genesis, when Joseph dies in Egypt, and the beginning of Exodus, the time span, according to biblical scholars, is actually 400 years. I wonder if that sounds familiar to anyone. 400 years between his death and Exodus. And the beginning of Exodus reads so beautifully because when you look at the first seven verses, it talks about the sons of of Jacob, the brothers of Joseph, and how they had grown, that they had become fruitful and prolific, that they had become a great multitude and grew exceedingly. You need to understand that Joseph's family only only came to Egypt 70 strong, but multiplied into the thousands and then into the millions. They grew and they grew. And then something happened in verse 8. There rose a pharaoh who did not know Joseph. Hold on. If this is 400 years time that has passed, this cannot be connected to Pharaoh's knowledge of Joseph because Joseph had passed 400 years prior. Pharaoh did not understand what Joseph represented. He represented that audaciousness, that patience, that grace, that ability to not hold a grudge, the ability to transcend your predicament, your captivity, to transcend those who seek to work against you, to still allow your gifts to make room for you and your gifts to help you arrive and ascend to the places that God has ordained for you. Joseph represented the the ability to forgive and the ability to love and the ability to reconcile and the ability to restore and and the ability to rejuvenate, the ability to not see difference as divisive, but to understand that we all have a common agenda connected to our humanity. Joseph represented all of that. And verse 8 says that a Pharaoh rose who knew none of that, who knew none of that. And the danger is, if you read the text, what happens when a leader who does not understand Joseph, not the person But what Joseph represents, when the leader doesn't understand all of that that Joseph represents, it is a dangerous thing when your ignorance gives weight to your insecurity. It said that when he saw the numbers of Israel, he created a narrative in his mind that was not steeped in truth, but steeped on the fake news that was circulating in his own mind. That he created a narrative based on his rabid insecurity. And look at how the rabid 
insecurity worked. He was so intimidated by Joseph and his descendants. He made the assumption that somehow Joseph and his descendants who wanted peace and had peace would rise up against him. And so he wanted to create a scenario to keep Joseph and Joseph's descendants in a state of oppression. But look at the paradox. He wanted to oppress them, but didn't want them to leave because he needed them. 400 years with no insanity. And then there rose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. 400 plus years of people kissed by the sun, existed in existing in oppression and chaos on the shores shaped by language steeped in deceit and lies. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with inalienable rights among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hypocritical words, deceptive sentences constructed by people who were oblivious to their own ignorance, arrogance. 400 years of wanting peace and getting none. 400 years of being viewed as subhuman and not having your humanity honored. 400 years of being viewed as beasts, 400 years of lynching and raping and murder, 400 years of the destruction of culture and language, 400 years of the erasure of your cultural memory, 400 years, and almost 400 years later, there arose a president who did not know Joseph. This is where we are right now. We have a president who's intentionally ignorant. There's a danger because you then allow juxtaposed to Joseph, you allow your smallness to become policy. You allow your insecurity to become legislation. You allow your timidity, your fear to manifest itself in false bravado and unjustifiable arrogance. You let all the qualities that speak to the basis of our humanity become elevated to posturing. In 2016, there rose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. That is what we are dealing with here. No memory of possibility exists in this Pharaoh. No notion of reconciliation and restoration. No desire for forgiveness and healing. Division, divisiveness, hate, bigotry, racism, misogyny. Because Pharaoh does not know Joseph. We, who 
who seek to represent the best of what this country is find ourselves right now in a strange position where we have the opportunity to dethrone Pharaoh. But, and I'm really done, there's something about this story that shows us maybe, just maybe, where hope comes from. Ah, I know my grandmother used to say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. But I know enough about this book to see those moments where God moves through the back door. I know enough about this book to see how God moves, not just in mysterious ways, but subtle ways that assault the arrogant, bring low the mighty, and undermine the ignorant. There's a danger in intentional ignorance, but there's power in the hand of God. And look how hope shows up. It's not part of the scriptures that were read today, but look how hope shows up. And I hope you get this and then I'll, I'll be done. Hope the story would say, comes from Moses, the liberator. But no, Moses wasn't the first move of God against the Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. If you look at the story closely, it may give a hint of how hope may manifest itself today. Hope showed up in five women before Moses shows up on the scene. Jochebed, his mother, who did not believe that her child had to die. Miriam, his sister, who navigated the baby along the waters of the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter who then brings this child from the river in Hebrew garment. But before Jochebed, Miriam, and Pharaoh's daughter, they are the two midwives, Shiprah and Puah, who, who go against Pharaoh's dictates because they know when righteousness needs to be on the agenda. Five women say their name. Jochebed and Miriam, Shipra and Pua, Pharaoh's daughter, say their name. Jochebed and Miriam and Shipra and Pua and Pharaoh's daughter. And maybe they give us a clue on what hope will look like when we watch the dethroning of this Pharaoh. Say their name.
Rakia Boyd, Natasha McKenna, Kayla Ayana Morse, Brianna Taylor, Sandra Bland, Corinne Gaines, Katherine Johnston, Tatiana Jefferson, Tanisha Anderson. Say their names because maybe hope will come through some women who will dare to defy what this system seeks to do. Say their names, Jarena Lee, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Rosa Parks. Say their names, Mary McLeod Bethune, Shirley Chisholm, Ella Baker, Daisy Bates. Say their name, Fannie Lou Hamer, Dorothy Height, Diane Nash, Septima Clark. Say their name, Ruby Sales, Barbara Jordan, Paulie Maury, Prathia Hall Wynn. Say their names. Coretta Scott King, four little girls, Michelle Obama, Dr. Lakeisha Walren, say their names. Because maybe, maybe hope will come on the strong wings of strong women who are not afraid to let Pharaoh know, let my people go. And if those were not enough names, I end with this one that's connected to the dethroning of the intentionally ignorant person who lives on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Kamala Harris. This is a moment in time where we cannot continue to tolerate the pharaohs who don't know Joseph. It is our divine responsibility, our divine responsibility to speak truth to power and to not capitulate to the cultural insanity we see right now being played out. You see, what Pharaoh didn't know was who Joseph put his trust in. It's not just about what God can do. It's about what we have to do. You cannot be silent in this season. You cannot claim to be a lover and follow the teachings of Jesus and sit back and do nothing. Wow. Almost 200,000 people perish from a pandemic. While division and divisiveness is leading to bloodshed by those who are Pharaoh's imps. We, we who believe in freedom, who believe in justice, 
who believe in equality cannot rest. Stronger yet may be the fight. Right may often yield to might. But there's a God. There is a God who can still move through back doors to transform place and people. If you're going to trust God, believe in your power too. If you're going to honor God, honor your gifts too. This is not a season to sigh, surrender, and throw in the towel. Because intentional, or rather intentionally ignorant people can be destructive when the righteous remain silent. This is not the time or the day. When policies are put in place that reward the super wealthy and crush the poor, we cannot be silent. When leadership exemplifies the worst of who we are and not the best, we cannot be silent. If you are a child of God who walks in the footsteps of Joseph, you are a healer. You are a reconciler. You are a restorer. You represent the best of who God is calling us to be. Don't be intentionally ignorant. Be intentionally righteous. And let your righteousness give birth to the healing that is necessary in this land. If not now, when? And if not you, who? We all are the embodiment of infinite possibilities. It does not yet appear what we shall be. I want you to lean in a little closer. And let's go to God. God, thank you for reminding us of our responsibility. God, there are countless millions who have lost jobs and Millions who are homeless and children who are hungry and families that are fractured and lives that have been lost because of the pharaohs who did not know Joseph. God, remind us of our sacred responsibility. Our sacred responsibility to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. 
God, this is the season that the Spirit is beckoning us to step forward, to stand tall and soar with freedom as our goal, justice as our aim, equality as our call. God, we thank you. And we do this, oh God, not because we're so holy, but because we're better than anyone else. We do it because we do not want to dishonor the teachings of the carpenter. We thank you, God. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And together we say amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.